Amen and amen. Thank you, Rhonda, for that uh, music service. You know, I hope as you're as you're singing there that you really are looking at those words that are up there. I mean, we can sing the song, and most of us know most of those songs forever and forever. We grew up with them. I remember standing beside my dad when he was singing in the cleft of the rock. And I hope that you will, as you're singing, if you get into the music and you get into the words, I'm telling you, that is an act of worship right there. I mean, you can really get into that, and and I hope that you do, because that's worship. When you're singing praises to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, man, it, it can't get any better than that. And I, and I don't know, I, she's not here, so I, I don't, she won't hear this, but I am so blessed because of how she puts the music together every Sunday. Uh, sometimes I, uh, she asks me what the, what the theme of it is, and I always give her the same answer. Basically, that my, what my dad always said was what was the message about it. He always said, sin. So that's, she knows when she asks me that, that's a comment that she's going to get. And sometimes I'll give her a topic, and sometimes I won't. Today she had no idea what the topic was today, so I just uh, I just praise her for what putting that music together. It might not affect you guys, but I mean it speaks to me big time. Before I get up here and, and try to do this, so 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 blessed. I think Brian, lead us before we start, please, buddy. We're going to be all over the, uh, the Bible today. Uh, I gave Dirk an outline. I said, just hang on, buddy. We're going, from, we're going to be in the New Testament, and then we're going to go to the, the Old Testament. We're going to just be everywhere. So I hope you brought your Bibles. If not, uh, hopefully he'll be able to flash those up on the screen fast enough. Um, if you don't get all of them, just it's my fault because I've given him so many to do. And I said, just if you can't get them up there, and uh, maybe if you're taking notes, people can at least get the verse and maybe not what the verse says. So anyway, just going to kind of hang on today, I think. The title of the message is The Days of Noah. Okay, The Days of Noah. I ask all the time, is this the end times? Is this the end of the end? I mean, we're getting close to the end times. People want to know. And all I can tell them is I don't know. I can think it might be, but I'm not for sure. I think maybe it's getting close. We know Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, he says these words. But of that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father knows for sure when he's coming back a second time. You know, but I do believe we don't ever know what time it'll be. Only God knows that. When he comes back to get his children. But I believe Jesus and God's word has left us many breadcrumbs to follow. He's left us those breadcrumbs and, he's, and he said, here are some things that it will look like when I come back to get you guys. 
And he says, I want you to follow these breadcrumbs, if you would. And to just to look at here and see how, how, how your lifestyle right here and your society that you live in, does it correlate to anything that God's Word might be saying? So that's kind of what we're going to look at today. Uh, the, the days of Noah, the end times, what does the Bible say about it? Here are some things that will be happening in your society, in your culture, that will give you a picture of, uh, of before I come back, is what he's saying, okay? Because we know, do we not, without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus one day is coming back, coming back to get us as his children. Yes, sir, read. In Mark 13, uh, we read these verses. Mark 13, 6, uh, to begin with, Jesus is telling us, this is, these are some of the things that will be going on in the world around you right before I come to get you, my children. We see in, in verse 6, it talks about the rise of false prophets. The rise of false prophets. We live in a world today where uh, this prosperity gospel is, is really big. And, and the prosperity gospel, in a nutshell, it says this, that if you give enough money to the ministry, whatever that ministry is, then God will bless you according to how much you give. There is nothing in the Bible that says that. God's blessing to you is not based on how much you give. I probably shouldn't say that because we do need it. But I'm just saying, your blessing is not based on what God says. And yet, that's what they will tell you. That is a false and complete uh, gospel that is not true. We have pastors and preachers and teachers today that will, will preach only a feel-good gospel. That, that when you guys come and you leave, you leave out those doors and, and, and we want you to be encouraged. We want you to be all that you can be. We want you to be the best possible you. And yet they never balance that with what God's word says. They don't balance it and they don't talk about sin and they don't talk about the wages of sin. They don't talk about there's consequences for living a life separated from God. You can be as, as good as you want to be here on this earth. But we know if we don't accept Christ as Lord and Savior, it will do no good. That is a false gospel that we're hearing today. We have denominations that are, that are accepting and promoting things that God has called abominations. God has said that is sin, that is wrong, that is not right. And yet denominations have, told, have torn those pages out of their Bibles and said, no, we don't care. We're going to do this anyway because this makes people... Uh, happy and encouraged. That, my friends, is a false gospel. Jesus said, do not be deceived. Do not be misled because there is falseness that's coming out there and you must be prepared for that. Why do I want you to know what's in God's word? Because there's a lot of folks out there that look like the real deal and yet they're in sheep's clothing, but the wolves are coming because they do not know what they're preaching as is the word of God. We've got to know what God's Word says at all times. In verse 7, we see another characteristic of before Jesus comes back. And it says, you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we've heard that all forever, have we not? We've got a big one going over there on your Ukraine right now. Is that what it's talking about? Well, it could be. But what you need to understand is one day, one day, Russia... And its allies, they will not be heading to Ukraine. One day they're going to be heading towards Israel, the Bible tells us. 
And the Bible says when, when you hear of that, when you hear the, the enemies of Israel are lining up to attack Israel, then and then only you need to perk your ears up because then the end of time will be coming. Matter of fact, that will be the, the last battle. It won't be a battle. It'll be the battle of Armageddon when Russia and their cohorts come towards to destroy Israel. And within a second or so, God will eliminate that battle. But when you hear of wars and rumors of war, it's not so much world wars. It is wars aimed at the country of Israel. In verse 8, we see another characteristic said there will be earthquakes in various places. Well, we've had earthquakes forever, have we not? They said in the year 2020, we had about 1,300 worldwide earthquakes. In 2021, we had almost 2,050 earthquakes. In, in less than a year, we've had almost 700 more earthquakes than they had the previous year. Jesus said, before I come, there's going to be a rise in earthquakes. The earth, the earth will be shaking in anticipation of our Lord coming back. It also says in verse 8 there that there will be a great famine before his coming back. They say the year 2022 will be the worst year ever in terms of food shortages around the world. Do you see what's happening? I mean, God is, is, is orchestrating all of this. And he's saying, I want you folks, my people, to look and to see what's happening in this world. Because I have given you breadcrumbs. I am showing you what's going to happen before I come. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years. It could be 100 years. I don't know. But he said, here is what's going to happen. Perk your ears up. See what, the, what I'm saying. And trust it. And believe it. In verse 9. Uh, we say there's going to be great persecution of Christians around the world. Is that not happening today? You go across and you, and you see what's happening in, in other countries. Uh, great persecution. In northern part of Africa, there's a tremendous amount of persecution going on. Not so much in the south, but in the north. Uh, yeah, they're killing Christians just because they're Christians. We see in Canada just, uh, what, about a year ago when they were arresting pastors just because they stood up against the pandemic mandates that they had, uh, all because they just stood for right and they got thrown in, thrown in prison. That is not a good deal. We see censorship uh, all over America today as they take Christian principles and conservative principles and, and the Twitter and those folks are, what are they doing? They're not even allowing that on, on air anymore. They have censored that, said that's hate speech. That's not hate speech, that's love speech. And yet they're trying to get, do away with us being able to spread the gospel. Jesus said, don't be surprised, but that's what's going to be happening in the end times. In Matthew 24, 10, we read these words about what's going to happen. It says, uh, at that time, many will fall away and betray each other and hate one another in the end times. Many will fall away. Uh, there is a thing called the apostate church where people have come and, 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 and talked about professing faith. And yet when push comes to shove, when life becomes hard, when something happens in their life that they don't like, they walk away from their faith. They just say, I, I, I no longer want any of that. And we're seeing that all around the world today. I'm thinking of a man by the name of Dennis in Zimbabwe who, who the first three times we've been there have been, have been right there with us and, and, and encourages, encourages. But over the course of the last year or so, he has, he has stepped away from his faith says, I no longer, 
no longer believe any, any of that. Something happened in his life, and he had a choice to make. Did he go down this road of unbelief, or did he go down this road of trusting the Lord no matter what? Romans eight twenty eight, And he picked the wrong road to deny even knowing faith. You see, Jesus said those kind of things are fixing to happen. In verse 12 of Matthew 24, we see this. Because lawlessness is increased, people's love has grown cold. Defund those police, guys. Take money away from them, guys. Uh, we're seeing that today, are we not, even in America. Crime is up in the major cities, up over 50% than it was last year. It's just running amok. I mean, you can't even watch the news today. And they just keep showing, showing of, of people stealing and lying and, and kidnapping and carjackings and murders. I mean, I mean, you go to the city of Chicago, and there's about 50 shootings every weekend. And that's been going on for years and years and years. But Jesus says there's going to be a lawlessness there will be increased. I think that's a sign of the times, do you not? Jesus also says in verse 14 of that, of that uh, chapter that the gospel must be preached around the world before I come back. Well, with Internet technology, the gospel can go to every corner of this old world. Did you know that? They can get it there. There's people in Zimbabwe today that will listen to this message after Dirk posts it today. Zimbabwe. Unbelievable. From our tiny church, the gospel is going to other countries. Jesus said, it will happen before I come. Guess what? It's already happened. He could be coming at any day. I, I urge you and encourage you to follow the breadcrumbs that Jesus has given to us. Say, well... This is, looks like us today, does it not, in America? In 2 Timothy 3.24, uh, the writer here gives us an example of what it's going to look like. He says in, in, in 3 verses 2 through 4, it says in the last days, Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient. Man, is this like the front page? To parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, no self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, <laughs> lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's the warning Timothy gives us. Is that not a picture of us in America today? Jesus is coming back. I don't know when. Could be sooner than later. He also talks about in chapter 4. Verse 3, he says it this way, and this is very prophetic also. He said, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, which means people don't want to hear the gospel. It says they want their, to have their ears tickled. They want a nice, soft message without any consequences. And they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance of their own desires. See, they will pursue people that will teach and preach that kind of a gospel, that feel-good gospel, that prosperity gospel, that gospel that, has, that never speaks of, of sin and judgment. They speak about God's love, which is great, but there's got to be a balance there, is or not? And they refuse to do that. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back soon. Follow the breadcrumbs. We see in Revelation, and I'll move on here just real quick. We see in Revelation... The Bible calls it a one-world government. In Revelation, there's going to be a one-world government where there's going to be one government that will be controlled 
by one person. Not like it is today where the United States has a say and England has a say. No, no, no. One of these days it's going to be a one world government. Today we call it a new world government. Today we call it globalism. You'll hear that in the news. Where, where the United States must uh, uh, bow down, if you would, submit their, their values to the, for the betterment of Mother Earth. Instead of standing and say, this is what's best for the United States. No, we, we are not going to stand for that. We're going we're to do what's best for the country, for this world. And that's what we will be. See, that's a one world government. Revelation says that's coming down the road one day. And guess who's going to be in control of that government? The Antichrist is coming there. But I want you to see that that is even in the vocabulary that people speak today. New world government. That's what they're talking about. One day it will be called the one world government. It's coming. Jesus is coming back one of these days. In Revelation, we see they talk about a cashless society where we don't do the dollar bills and the coins and all those kind of things, if you got them anymore, after inflation. But it's so easy, is it not, to put the card in there, say, there you go, take it out of my account. I mean, we do it. I mean, we do it. I'm like, wow. And, we, and I think most of us maybe do that. A cashless society, because in Revelation it talks about you either get a mark on your hand or on your forehead, and that's how you're going to buy things. Guess what? That technology is already here in America. That technology is already here. Microchip, microchip, you go to the Amazon stores, put it under the beeper there, they got you. They got your money and they got your account. That is already here, the cashless society, ladies and gentlemen. God is, Jesus is coming back one of these days. Follow those breadcrumbs, I, I encourage you. In Revelation, we see that there's going to be one day a world, one world religion. One world religion. Won't be any Baptist anymore, won't be Protestant anymore, Methodist, no, none of that kind of stuff. We'll have one world religion led by the false prophet, okay? Well, you say, that's never, never going to happen. There are religious well-known pastors today that are saying, we all serve the same God. We just have different names for him. No, we don't. My God had sent his son to die on a cross for us. That's who my God is. No, no, no. That's not, we don't worship all the same gods. Okay? Don't let anybody trick you and tell you to believe that. That the Muslims worship the same God. He just has a different name. Okay, the Buddhist, same God, different name. Don't ever believe that. And, and, and how do you know that? Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Don't let him tell you that. We see in Revelation that there will be a government takes away people's rights and liberties and, and, and puts them in a, in a shell and puts them in a dictatorship, if you would. That's, that's coming. That's coming. And, and we see that. Jesus is coming back, I promise you. And he says, you see, we get in his word and we see these crumbs that he's led. We see this path that he's showing. And he's showing, I don't know, Jesus would say, I don't know when he's coming. I really don't know when I'm coming back. God, my father has not told me. But here's some things that you can just kind of just connect the dots if you would. And I said, he said, I want you to be prepared for when I come back. Okay. The next great event in God's timetable. The next great event, nothing has to happen, is the rapture. Did you know that? There's nothing that has to be built. There's nothing that has to be said. Nothing that has to be done. 
The rapture is very imminent. If it could come today, tomorrow, it could be it come in a hundred years. Who knows? But I'm telling you that the rapture is, is here. And how do I know that? We, we see those events that I just outlined to you. Okay? He's coming back one of these days. I hope and pray that you are ready. He also says in Matthew 24, 37 through 39. And then we'll get to, we'll get to the Old Testament here in just a minute. And he says this. If I can get there. For the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. Hmm. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and carrying in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them away. So will be the coming of Son of Man be. Jesus said it's going to be just like what was going on in the days of Noah. And it's very interesting there. I, 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 I look at the, uh, verse 39 there where it says, And they did not understand. The folks that were living in Noah's day did not understand. They did not care to know of a holy God. They did not want to know of a holy God. They were living their life without a holy God. And they couldn't figure out when the rain started coming what was going on. You see, they had a heart that rejected faith in a holy God. And it says, and Jesus says, well, they just, and they just didn't understand. They didn't understand because they did not want to understand. We have, a, have people all over this country who do not understand that Jesus is going to come back one of these days. They just don't care. They just don't know. They just don't understand. Because if they did, this church would be full. The pews would be filled up if people were really understanding that Jesus is coming back and that there's a judgment coming one day. So what is the days of Noah? What are the days like Jesus said, I'm coming back and it'll be just like the days of Noah. What was going on in Noah's day? Now, as I was looking at this and kind of studying through this, I figured out that in those days, it, they just weren't nomad societies, okay? They just weren't a bunch of dummies running around. These guys had something going. They had a society. They had a civilization that could do a lot of, lot of things. We see in Genesis 4, verse 17. I don't know if he's got He didn't have that up there, I don't think, this time. But it says that, that Cain built a city. Not a house. He built a city. He must have had the materials. He must have had the knowledge. He must have had the skills to be able to build a bunch of houses and a bunch of roads that made it, made it a city. They just weren't a bunch of dummies. We look down at verse 22. It says there was lots of folks who were forgers of all instruments of bronze and iron. They had the knowledge and the skill to be able to take bronze and iron and to mold it and shape it into a lot of, a lot of different things. I mean, that takes some intelligence. That takes some knowledge. That takes some skills. They just weren't all sheep herders or cattlemen or farmers. I mean, they had some, they had some knowledge there. And yet we find also in the days of Noah, we see in verse uh, 23 of that chapter, uh, we see a little story about uh, murder and killing 
and anger and bitterness. We see in, in, uh, in, in Genesis 6-2, we see immorality and adultery going on in their society. It says the men took the wives, whoever they chose, and how many they chose as wives. Immorality was running rampant there. Uh, it's a heart of, of rejection of God. In, in Genesis 6-5, it kind of gets a little more specific. He says the intent of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. Man's heart in the days of Noah was nothing but on evil and corruption. You see, they had corrupt thoughts and corrupt actions. And those corrupt thoughts and actions came from a corrupt heart. That's where it comes from. Once the heart is corrupted, once the heart is hardened and rejects holy God, then from that comes Corrupt thinking, evil thinking, mischief, all those kind of things that the Bible says. And he says, during Noah's day, the intent of a heart of man was evil continually. That's, that's not a good thing. In Luke 17, it talked about, Jesus said, in the coming, when I come back to you, it will be just like the days of Noah and also the days of Lot. The days of Lot. The days of Lot were what? They promoted and accepted homosexuality as the way of a, of a lifestyle that is okay. That's what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think in today, in the U.S. today, I think we've taken that, have we not, to a different level. I mean, we have allowed the uh, transgender philosophy to permeate our families and allow young kids to change who they are male and female it is in a direct uh, affront to God and you see our society today is just like that and Jesus said when I come back your society that you're living in will be just like the days of Lot and of Noah man had a hardened heart for the things of God man has rejected the things of God man has has wanted to live and love their sin and not love the Savior I read about a week ago, uh, it was an op-ed or an article that was in the New York Times. And the headline said, on Easter morning, mind you, Easter morning, it said, it is time to get rid of God. In one of the widest selling newspapers in America. Time to get rid of God. You see, our society today is not much different than the days of Noah, is it? Man's rejection of a holy God. Rather love their sin and then rather love their Savior. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is coming back. In Genesis 6, 6, uh, it says, The Lord was sorry that he made man. He was sorry that he looked over that he was sorry that he made man. And he said, I'm going to blot them all out. All flesh will be blotted out. Men, women. Animals, creeping things, the Bible says, birds, they're all going to be, and you know that, okay? But just like God, He always does this. The Bible says, God found Noah. God found Noah. But God, I'm going to destroy this, I'm going to do this, but God. And we read that in, uh, in verse 8. And who was Noah of chapter 6? Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. 
It said Noah was righteous man. He was a blameless man, and he walked after the Lord. I mean, you can't get any better than that, guys. When the Lord says that's who you are, righteous and blameless, and you walk with God. Man, that's a, that could be a message right there. And you know the story. You know the story. I'm just going to be real quick with it. God told him to build an ark, did he not? And this ark would, would preserve his family, and this ark would preserve a remnant of the animals, okay? And, and God told him to do that. And you can you imagine? For 120 years, Noah's building that ark, panning those nails. 120 years, panning those nails. And the Bible says as he was panning those nails and shaping that, shaping that big old boat, you know, that he, that he put tar and pitch around it so that it wouldn't leak, so the water wouldn't get in and the water couldn't come out. And, and just, just sealing that up for many days of travel on the high seas, if you would. And all the time he was hammering those nails and putting that pitch around there, uh, people were making fun of him. They were ridiculing him. What are you talking about, Mo- uh, Noah? What are you doing? There's no lake around here. You can't put that big old boat in that lake. It's not even close. You can't even get it there. Noah, son, there's not been any rain on the, on the face of the earth all these years. What are you doing, Noah? And all Noah would do as he's hammering those nails and putting that picture around there, he goes, repent, for God is going to bring judgment. Repent, God's bringing judgment. Repent, you need to repent. God's bringing judgment one of these days. And for 120 years, it took him to build that boat. That's what the people heard from Noah. You got to repent because judgment is coming. I wonder why God took so long to do that. I mean, he probably could have built that thing in half the time, maybe. You know, found him a little better carpenter, maybe. I can tell you why it took 120 years. I know why it took 120 years, I think. Okay? Because all the time Moses is preaching to him. And 2 Peter 3.9 says this. And this applies to him, it applies to us, applies to everybody. For the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards all, that none should perish and all come to repentance. Why did it take 120 years to build that boat? He didn't want any of those folks dying in that flood. Not a one of them. Why is Jesus slow about coming right now he doesn't want anybody to perish before he gets here he wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of jesus christ thank you father for that you know the story the floods came from the sky the 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 fountains from the from the earth opened up the bible says and the rains came and god put him and his family in that boat and the bible says after they all got in there safe and secure god closed the door He didn't close the door. God closed the door. Sealed him up in there. Safe and secure. I got to thinking this was a little bit interesting. I thought, hmm, I wonder how many people were living at the time of the flood. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, maybe, I don't know, on a a good day, maybe a million. No, I got to, I, I Googled this. One of the few things I could do on a computer. And it says, historians and mathematicians believe minimum at the time of, of the flood, there were 750 million people living on the earth. And they said if you just tweak that by one one thousandth of a percentage, that number would jump up to 4 billion people 
were living on the earth. That's a lot of folks. And the Bible says, I only, God only found one guy that was righteous and blameless and walked after him. You talk about a wicked society, only one out of, out of billions that even had a thought for God, a heart for God. Wow. That's hard. That's, that's, I mean, that just, that just breaks your heart that that many people, when the flood came, God closed their doors and brought judgment to them. All because they rejected God and the love of God at that time. But you know the best part of that story? The best part of that Noah story is the ark. Is the ark. Because you see, with the ark, he saved Noah and his family. Which is a really good deal. But what does that ark mean to you? What does that ark mean to you and me? Let me tell you. That ark is Jesus Christ. Did you know that? He is the ark of salvation. And when we accept him as Lord and Savior, we receive safety. We receive security. We receive salvation. And when we go to the ark of Christ, the Holy Spirit says, I have sealed you in there. Just like Noah sealed that ark with tar and pitch. As a believer, it says in Ephesians 1, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. No man can ever snatch us out of the hands of God. When we've been truly born again, when we're truly born again, we are in that ark of Jesus. And, and nobody can get at us and nobody we can't get out. We are secure for eternity. That's the best part of that story, you know it? It saved Jonah, but today it saves us. And that is Jesus, that ark of safety and security and salvation. That's the best part of the story. Did you know that? The ark. You know, I, uh, I personally think that we're living in the last days. I mean, you could disagree. But I think we are. And, and if you look at what I've told you today, and you look at those breadcrumbs, and you follow those breadcrumbs down, down the road there, and, and, and it's not me saying this, it was, it was Jesus saying this, okay? It was the writer of Genesis was saying this, and God has put those two stories together for a reason. And I believe it points to one day he's coming again. One day there's going to be a, a shout from heaven. One day there's going to be the voice of God. One day there's going to be the trumpet of God is going to sound. And one of these days, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive will meet him in the air to be with Jesus forever and forever. That, my friends, is really good news. We live in a very difficult society. But Jesus says, I'm coming back and it's going to be just like that. The days of Noah, the days of Lot. I believe we are there right now. And if he tarries, that's fine. You know, he has his perfect time frame. But I'm telling you, I, I, you've got to understand. You, you've already, you've got to get your ticket for the ark of Jesus. Okay? You can't get on the boat without, without the ticket from Jesus. You know, your passport has to be up to date before you get on the ark. Okay? It has to be real. Jesus has to be real in your life. You know, if it isn't, today is a good day to do that. You can see one day, one day... God's going to close the door of your life and my life. 
He's going to close that door. And we're going to take our last breath on heaven. And when we take our last breath on heaven, we'll either fall into eternity or we'll be carried by the angels to the very presence of God. That's biblical, okay? That's biblical, Luke 16. For those that have never been born again, they fall into eternity. But the blessed thing is when you give your last breath here, God has already dispatched his angels to fight, to take you, to fight you through the atmosphere, which will be demon-possessed. And it will deliver you straight to the throne room of grace. Ah, that's, that's good news, boys and girls. That's the way it ought to be. I pray that you have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray that you have, have done that. Don't be like those 750 million or those 4 billion or whoever it was that just thought that life was just life. That, that here it is, this is all there is to it. I don't, have to, I don't have to believe in a God. I don't have to believe in any of that kind of stuff. I want to live my life how I want to. And the Bible says they just didn't get it. They just didn't understand. They just didn't care that, there's, that, that, that God loved them so much. They just didn't care. And when the floods came, the Bible says they just didn't get it. They didn't understand what was happening to them. We live in a world of 7 billion people right now. Most of those just don't know. Most of those don't, just don't understand. And someday God's going to close that door and said, time is up. And eternity is here. This is what you're going to do. Uh, let's, as we begin our invitation time, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I don't know how the, how the Holy Spirit has spoke to you.